So good to see the ones that are able to be present here. We've had some who have not been with us, been traveling on the road, been worshiping in other congregations, visiting relatives, and uh, we're so happy that you're here. We have several who continue to have physical, ongoing issues, and we want to remember them in our prayers. And just as we sang, love one another, that is so important. We're all human, fallible, we've been in the garbage bin of sin in our lives, and yet with the blood of Christ, we are so thankful that we can be forgiven and to try our best to show our love for God, our brethren, and fellow man, even those that are outside the body of Christ who are lost in this world today. When you think about the Bible, and specifically the New Testament, and passages that deal with giving us an idea of who we are to be like, maybe as, par, as far as a vocation or life's work. Sometimes we uh, read and we sing about being soldiers of Christ. Other times we read of being workers in an agriculture setting in the vineyard of the Lord. Or a spiritual race that we not compete against each other as though we're going to outrun each other, but it's our spiritual walk, our spiritual race with Christ to the end and to finish and to go victorious uh, to that final day when we meet God in judgment. Well, we'd like to look in 1 Peter 2, if you will, today and see about five things that are mentioned in the text there. And we'll read verses 1 uh, through about verse 11 at this time from the New King James and we'll spend some time camping out here on some words that are applicable to us who are Christians, uh, and maybe it will be of some benefit. Uh, I know it will to me. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word, to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I bet you as sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust, 
which war against the soul. So as time permits, we're going to look at these ideas or concepts uh, that God knows are needful for us to be encouraged and to encourage one another as we walk our spiritual walk and run the spiritual race. We've all been babes in Christ. Every one of us who are in Christ were once babes. No matter how much we knew from uh, Bible classes and being raised from the very most tender age, even maybe before we could really speak or, or read, maybe we had Bible stories being read to us, we still obey the gospel later and we're a babe in Christ. We are today to be living stones, not dead stones, but living stones, making up the house of God. And each stone is just as important as another. And as we learn in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and studying, everybody's not a hand, everybody's not a foot, everybody's not an eye, because God doesn't want only hands in the church. God doesn't want only feet in the church. But we've been given, like the parable of the talents said, different types of talents so that we can use them to the best. All we had here in the leadership of the men were the ability to lead singing and we couldn't do anything else. How could we fulfill our leadership roles within the congregation here? And so God has richly blessed us and there's all work that we all can do in the kingdom. Also, there's the matter of a priesthood that's mentioned here, and not the old Levitical priesthood where just by luck of birth, oh, we don't get to choose our parents or our lineage, our, our geology, uh, geology, our geog <laughs> genealogy, I'm so sorry, as to who our parents were and our great-grandparents and our ancestry or our lineage. But under Old Testament times, you not only had to be born as a Jew, but you would have to be in from the tribe of Levi in order to even begin to qualify to be a priest under the old law. Now, anybody that becomes a Christian, male or female, make up the royal priesthood. No matter if they're in India or if they're in America or where it might be on the face of the globe, we are to be offering sacrifices unto God. But the type of New Testament sacrifices from our efforts in Christ, not the Old Testament sacrifices that the Jewish system offered. We're strangers and pilgrims in this land in that we're passing through and we need to keep our mindset on the fact that we're passing through and we don't put our roots so deeply into this life and this earth and things of this life that we neglect our spiritual home, which is laid up for us in heaven. And we're just passing through here so that we cannot meritoriously get there. But through the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ, which takes away the sins of the world, and by being faithful and showing our love for God and brethren, and yes, even our enemies, we have to learn that. That's not a natural thing, but a requirement of the New Testament that we love our enemies in Christ. Our wonderful example did just that, not only on the cross, but in many things in which he suffered for about the 33 years of life upon this round globe in which we live. And then there's that phrase uh, or term, peculiar people. And when I was really young, I thought, well, Christians are different. That means only that we're just supposed to be different. We're supposed to be peculiar. Nobody's going to be like us. Well, it may carry in some way that, but we're really God's special own possession 
We, and we can look to various translations which help us balance out, I believe, the meaning of this word. So, um, with that we can, no, we're not going to stand and sing yet. But, this is an overview and you've got the glimpse and now let's look at a few passages and a few comments over these as we review uh, these five terms. Babes does not actually apply all the time to a mere infant in the New Testament when it's speaking of those of a physical babe. It can include what we might call a toddler. Oh yes, it includes the newborn, just freshly born. And when someone obeys the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are indeed a babe and they are to desire the sincere milk of the word as we read that growth may occur. It is expected in a normal physical baby, a grandchildren. I see some proud grandparents here uh, in the audience, and we have those that have uh, parental responsibilities here. Um, we would be ill at ease if we found that the child was not developing properly. If the pediatrician or the medical experts were saying, this child is having some problems, and they're not progressing like they should. Well, there's an expectation that we should, as Christians in our spiritual maturity, should grow. We don't all grow at the same rate of speed, but there needs to be a valid concern if someone's not growing uh, as a Christian. How do we grow? Well, we're going to have to, in the physical world, we're going to have to have diet, some type of exercise so that we can strengthen our so we've got diet, exercise, and we've got some rest that is necessary. We have a diet of God's Word. We need to spiritually exercise ourselves unto godliness and living the life of a Christian. And yes, even Jesus from time to time would take a respite. Not from doing right. He did right all the time. Never to endorse sin. But we sometimes need to have our spiritual batteries recharged. Remember, we're running a race of an endurance. We're not running a sprint. And, and for some who obey the gospel later in life, in their 60s or 70s or even uh, beyond, they're going to have a short amount of time, generally speaking, on the face of the globe, than someone that maybe obeyed the gospel when they were 15 or 16 or 17 years old and remained in faithful service throughout a normal, whatever that is, uh, life expectancy age on this earth. Jesus in the manger in Luke 2.12, uh, that, that term, a babe, was used. And it wasn't just uh, used of Jesus, but the death of the newborn males in Acts 7 in verse 19. Uh, in that Greek word, it, it says, cast out their young children in the King James Version. And that same word in the Greek has to do with this idea of babes. Timothy's knowledge was expressed, and uh, though his father was not a Jew, 2 Timothy 3.15 mentions, and that from a child, that's the word that's the same Greek word that's about babe, with Jesus being in the manger, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy's mother and his grandmother kept him well-versed by bringing him up in the scriptures of that day that were applicable, which before Christianity was the Old Testament. 
scriptures. And even when we get to passages like 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, it's inclusive. It says all scripture is given by inspiration in God, uh, of God. And just because it's not applicable to us by law today, the Old Testament is still God's word. It's still inspired of God. And, of course, we'll be judged by the New Covenant or the New Testament in that regard. We need to desire that we grow, Hebrews 5 says, so that we can be of a mature age or state where we can have meat. And I suggest that we never get off of enjoying the milk of God's Word, but that we know that we have digested and are able to digest meat and help others as Timothy's mother and grandmother did for his spiritual well-being. Well, if we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ properly, as 2 Peter 3 and verse 18 says, we'll be taking care of being the babe that we need to be and then growing into a mature state. That's the objective, not to remain babes. There are those who would rather just hear the first principles of the oracles of God over and over and over and never want to hear that which would be considered maybe the meat of God's Word. That's not the approach that we should have. And if we have someone like that, we need to try to help them with the concept that God commands growth in passages like the aforementioned 2 Peter 3.18. So let's move on to the stones. Uh, Christians are uh, pictured as stones. Uh, but it's mentioned as lively stones. It's a spiritual house. And we need to be, collectively, we are the temple of God. But we're not the chief cornerstone, are we? <laughs> That's the best stone. And we've got a foundation, don't we, of the apostles and the prophets who were mentioned. But we, as Christians, as saints, as the Bible uses the term, are part of this house or household <coughs> of God. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16 is talking about the church. The language is similar to 1 Corinthians 6, but that's talking about the individual Christian. So go to 1 Corinthians 3, or if you're making notes, verse 9. The old King James says, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. And it says ye, which is the plural, the second person plural. So it's talking about the collectivity together make up that husbandry, that building. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 after verse 9. Know ye not that ye... We'd say y'all down here in the south, second person plural. I didn't have any English teachers that wanted me to use y'all. But the concept is still, it's in the plural, that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. That's a ye, that's a y'all, that's a second person plural, verse 16. Verse 17 says, if any man, now that's an individual in the church, defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy. Once again, we're going back to the plural. Which temple ye are? 
do we consider it to be a privilege to be a lively stone in the temple of God's building? This is something that God has ordained. This is something that God has put forth that is good. And by our obedience to Him and interest into the family of God, by becoming a Christian, we have this privilege and we need to do our part. You know, we talk sometimes about a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And uh, when you start looking at the uh, the big bad wolf and you've got the different kinds of houses and the, the straw house and he blows it down, but then you get this brick house. You've got something like a stone house. There should be some rigidity. There should be some strength there. It's not something that will just crumble uh, at the least little rumble. Our being built is actually used uh, concerning this house of stones indicates continuous action. All things are ready. Come to the feast. More and more people should be being invited to the Lord's kingdom, to the Lord's family. And when people are added by becoming a Christian into the family of God, then we are all being built up into a spiritual house. So it's not finished until Jesus comes again and there's room for more stones. We're getting rather comfortable and we can become complacent with the building and the seating capacity that we have here. I'm glad to say that that is not the case, that we yearn for COVID to be over. We yearn for the opportunity for gospel meetings again. We yearn for the opportunity to invite people to convert, not to become a church of Christer. We are not a denomination. But to convert to Christ, to be a Christian, Christian, a servant of the Lord, in the way in which the New Testament teaches that we can please God. And in so doing, as we're studying right now, to be part of the house of living stones of those that have put on Christ, our Lord and Redeemer. Jesus is the foundation. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11. Jesus is mentioned as the cornerstone but also notice the foundation of the apostles and prophets in Ephesians 2 and verse 20. Ephesians 2 verse 20, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Similar passage in 1 Peter 2 and verse 6 that's in our text now. What about that holy priesthood? What does the word holy mean? We need to realize it means set apart for some type of work or service. It's not a holier than that. Now, it is something that is scripturally acceptable in the sight of God. So it is going to be that which is correct and right and can keep one in fellowship with the Godhead and faithful brethren. Okay, so it's not something sorry or corrupt or bad when we think of holy. But it is not something that is arrogant in any way or is puffed up uh, with pride. In the Old Testament, as we referred to before, and, and Numbers 3 and verse 6 is but one passage that speaks of the old Levitical priesthood, it pointed out, and of course we have Aaron uh, being a high priest, and then there was a change. The Hebrew writer says, of necessity. <laughs> if Christ is going to be a high priest, he's from the tribe of Judah, there's going to have to be a change in the law because 
the Old Testament didn't speak anything of the tribe of Judah with regard to the Levitical priesthood. It was from the tribe of Levi, wasn't it? So in Hebrews 7, verse 14, For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. Jesus is our high priest, and every man and woman that is a member of the body of Christ is part of the royal priesthood. And we're not the high priest. Jesus has got that nailed down. Jesus is the chief cornerstone, and we're lively stones. But just think about being in the relationship that we have spiritually with Jesus Christ our Lord, the Father, and the Spirit created the things that we have and who we are and have access to, including the deliverance of the Word and what we have now is the Holy Bible. Hebrews 3.1 Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Hebrews 4, verse 14 Seeing then that we have a great high priest, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. In Hebrews 7, verse 26, For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. So think with me just logically for a moment. If our high priest is all that, which is good, 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 great, 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 wonderful, wonderful, of what ilk will, will the priest be? Well, let's just throw it over. Are we supposed to be terrible? Are we supposed to be cantankerous? Are we supposed to be ungodly? Are we supposed to be immoral? No. We're to be, we're the same priesthood with Jesus who's the high priest. Then we need to be serving in the same way and striving. Well, I can never be perfect like Jesus. The Bible teaches us we're going to make mistakes. But we need to be in there trying every day to be the best priesthood. Men and women now who are Christians make up the royal priesthood along with our high priest Jesus now that the days of the uh, Old Testament have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then we go to the matter of strangers and pilgrims. It's a trick of the devil, one of his tactics, to get us distracted from spiritual goals. Uh, the, doesn't the judgment of Jesus' return just seem like it's out there? How many of us really, really, myself included, think that it's imminent? Jesus will come tonight. He could come tonight by what the scriptures have revealed, there's nothing left in prophecy that still has to be uh, take place before Jesus can come again now. And so we need to be ready, ready to go. And yet, we make plans. We buy tickets to football games or to concerts or, or we have family gatherings. And we need to be careful need to do as the writer said in the New Testament we need to thank him and we need to say if the Lord will we'll go into the city if the Lord wills we'll attend this nice good in and of itself 
wholesome activity, because that's what Christians need to be involved in, is in good things, whether secular or spiritual, we need to be doing something that is righteous. Fishing, but then we don't want to violate any of the laws of the land, right? Christian is supposed to obey the civil government, Romans 13, but we can go fishing. But we shouldn't put fishing ahead of assembling with the saints or worshiping with the saints. And so we need to make sure we prioritize correctly in order to have ourselves in the mindset that we're just strangers and pilgrims and we're passing through this land. Our home is a permanent residence in heaven. That's what we need to think every day we wake up. And I know it helps me live better that day when I put on that mindset than, on, than so much on things of the earth. Now, there's much instruction for the Christian while on earth, because that's where we're developing how we are before God to meet Him in judgment. We've got to take care of families. We've got to have incomes and provide for our own, lest we're denied the faith and been worse than infidel. We've got to raise people up and uh, children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's not somebody else's job. That's the parents' job to do that. We're to take care of the sick. We're to see about those that are in need that are within the local congregation. We're to try to do personal evangelism. So there's a whole lot that we have to do that includes spiritual and secular things that need to be prioritized in order for us to meet this need of being strangers and pilgrims and yet the people that we need to be in our status in relation to the world. We should be like a foreigner who's visiting for a while and we're not going to be here. Does that mean that it's wrong to have a good standing in the community? No. Is it wrong to live in the same place all your life uh, here on earth decades? No. No, that's not what we're saying. But our heart and our mind needs to be on heaven as our home as opposed to earth and necessarily our status in relationship to the world except with God above. The definition of a pilgrim is one who comes from a foreign country into a city or a land to reside there by the side of natives. <laughs> we sing the song, This world is not my home just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. If we've got that kind of mindset, but we still fulfill our responsibilities to God and man while we're in this world, I think songs like that will really help us go a long way and say it better uh, than I could. And then to wrap up, a peculiar people. Something acquired, something gained, more a possession. It includes the idea of preserving, keeping to oneself. God's own possession because tradition, Christians have been redeemed with a price. Yes, we are different and there are passages of Scripture that teach we're different. But don't get too hooked on that word peculiar. It's more like God's own special possession. We, when we obey the gospel, belong to God. We are His children. We're not to follow our own whims and desires, but rather to look above to the Godhead, to the Word that tells us how to richly live in order to, to uh, consider that we're bought with a price. 
1 Corinthians chapter um, 20, verse 28. The church, if we are a Christian, we're a member of the church, the Lord's church. He purchased the church with his blood. Yeah, he shed his blood for the remission of all sins, and we can have remission of sins because Jesus shed his blood as the perfect sacrifice, but he did more with that blood than just that. He, he paid the debt, because we can't pay the debt for sin, but he bought the church, and we are redeemed, and we should sing it gladly, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, who gave himself for us, Titus 2.14, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself, here it is again in the King James, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We're not redeemed with a corruptible things, but by the special precious blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. If you will, please get your songbooks and see the message that we're about to sing now. I didn't ask... Mike to pick this out. appreciate the songs that he chooses and the way in which he leads us as well as our other song leaders here. Are you washed in the blood? There's a lot went into the blood of Christ, isn't it? And a lot as to how precious that it is. Not only the cleansing power but the redemptive nature and we need to be washed if we have not. If we can help you anyway today, we hope that lessons like this and other lessons you've heard or personal study will encourage you to want to make your life right. If you're not a Christian, we can assist you in uh, talking with you about becoming a Christian. Or if you've fallen away and you need to be restored, we'll do everything we can to try to help, to be the kind of congregation that we want to be here in Jessup. Are you washed in the blood? If you're subject in any way, we bid you to come. While together we stand and sing.